Our summer servant trips have been an incredible blessing to our youth, and I think to most of our congregation as well, as you have prayed for us and journeyed with us on these trips. Of course, this summer, our trip to Costa Rica has been postponed until next summer, which hopefully will build some anticipation, but I've been <clears throat> reminiscing and been reminded of trips that we've taken in the past, and specifically as I read our text from Acts today, I'm reminded of our trips to New Orleans, where we learned a greeting, a new phrase that they use there. Instead of saying, hey, how you doing, or hey, what's up, or, or how's it going, <clears throat> they say to one another, where are you at? It's a, a question of location for sure, but <clears throat> it has more to do about the journey of your soul and the connections that you've made along the way. A response to this question is oftentimes things like, uh, my mother's in the hospital, or my son's starting college this fall, and I'm really excited. It's an invitation to talk about your relationships and to enter into that slow southern practice of a long chat. Well, I see the disciples having the same question in our text for today. They have lived through the horror of Jesus' death, deserting and betraying him along the way, of course, and then they come to a very slow understanding of his resurrection and what it means. And now they stand on this mountain after having had 40 days with their resurrected Savior. They seem to know something big is about to happen. They should expect that by now, right? And they want to know, Jesus, where are you at? Where are we at? Will this be the restoration? The time when you reconstitute the people of God in the promised land and sit on the throne like King David 2.0? Will what they have waited for and hoped for finally come to be with Jesus? It's a fair question. This Jesus has done incredible things in their sight. The teachings and the miracles and the head-to-head -head victories with the religious leaders, not to mention, of course, the, his resurrection itself. Where are you at, Jesus? Is that our question for today as well? Is our head pointed up to the clouds, asking the question with, maybe some different emphasis today and in the midst of our times right now. Where are you at, God? Maybe like the Psalms of Lament, we ask that question. Where are you at, Jesus? <clears throat> are you here with us? Do you even care? Isn't it about time you did something about COVID? And while you're at it, a few other things that are going on in our broken world? I guess what I'm asking of you today, and maybe of myself as well, is where are you at? Is that where our heads are at, up in those clouds, looking for Jesus or looking at him as he ascends to heaven? Or maybe the better question for us to ask is, is that where he is, absent and ivory tower distant away from our troubles? That's the worldview of many for, for sure, you know, God is watching us from a distance. <laughs> and maybe that's reinforced today by our text as this risen Savior takes off into the skies after 40 days of being with his disciples. But I'm compelled to take a longer look at this kind of location question of God. So do that with me if you will. And first I have to ask this question, where... Where was God in the void of empty time and empty space? Well, making space for a free and therefore imperfect creation. 
Where was God when people cried out under the thumb of slavery in a hard-hearted Pharaoh? Responding with a real person in real time and leading the people out of slavery and into freedom. Where was God along that journey when Moses delayed on the mountain and, and the people looked for immediate satisfaction in the comfort of an idol they had made with their own jewelry? <clears throat> well, God was scribing out a law for them, an incredible and much needed gift for a people who had been under the rule of Egypt as slaves for generations. Where was God when the people were fat and happy and their government and leaders were corrupt and bloodthirsty? when they were apathetic in their faith. God was in the mouths of prophets, speaking to them in real time, and even in the natural consequences of their exile. <laughs> and where was God in that exile? In the liberating work of foreign powers to bring those people home again. God is a God of second chances. Now, I could go on. I could go on for hours with stories in the Bible of God's liberating consistency, but let me ask you something, a kind of a where you at question. Where has God been in your times of trouble? If it's difficult to answer that for what's going on right now, check your rearview mirror for a minute and see if God's story holds up for you, holds true to the consistency of Scripture. I see God consistently present in the lives and cares and the needs of humanity and the creation that God has made and loves. God doesn't sit up there in heaven, but shows up in life, most especially, of course, in the life of Jesus Christ. So as I find myself <clears throat> looking on, kind of peering in on the scene today in Acts with the many men and, and the many women who are close to Jesus as he ascends into heaven, I wonder if Jesus' ascension is less of a going up and more of a going out. Or maybe it's a little bit of both. <laughs> and kind of hang with me here on this because I think, I think both are really critically important to us right here and now. I say this a lot, but I think what's tremendously unique to our Christian faith is the incarnation of God in a particular time and in a particular space bringing to a head God's consistent and relentless involvement in the real life of the world. But this incarnation is actually limited in some ways. All that Jesus did happened through one man in one place and at one time. And obviously what happened is profound. It's the, really his death and resurrection are, and ascension are the center of our whole universe and, and meaning in our lives. But, but if Jesus is just raised up and continues on in this one body, in this one place and one time, he will eventually die again like all the others raised from the dead by Elijah and Elisha and certainly Lazarus by Jesus himself. I mean, they died, right? Have you seen them around? Have you seen them on TV in an interview? No, at some point, they too died in a particular time in a particular place. You know, in the Gospel of John, before his death, Jesus makes what seems to be this absurd claim to his disciples. And really, when we say disciples, we, we mean that that claim is all the way down to us and to those who will come after us. But Jesus says that, that they and we will do greater things than Jesus himself did. Well, this only makes sense if Jesus ascends out, if by the sending of the Holy Spirit, he is able to dwell not in one person, 
not in one place, not in one time, but can live in and through us, through you and through me, this body of Christ. Don't get me wrong, you are not Jesus. I certainly am not Jesus. I've met a couple people in my, in my life that thought they were Jesus, but uh, I'm pretty sure they weren't. But the spirit of the living Christ is in you, and you, and you, and you, and works through you and through me. In this ascension, Jesus Christ goes out so that his presence may live in, 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 in. But there's something to this whole concept of Christ going up as well, sitting at the right hand of God, being above and beyond space and time and limited experience. Think about it. <clears throat> Isn't it important that the one who knows us intimately also has power over tiny viruses and world-dominating dictators and, and can work against the consequences of our greatest mistakes? Close. And transcendent is where God is at. And maybe that wide definition can help us answer where we're at as well. Duke Divinity Professor Will Willimon suggested that we are asking now in this time deeper questions as we boil down what matters most and we ponder bigger meanings in our lives. That's great. What, what better time to have an honest and open conversation with God and to look inward as well when the world seems to be in one of its most epic hell in a handbaskets kind of times, at least in, in our time of life. Maybe this is a time to ponder where we are at in relation to the rest of the world too. While I do not ascribe any divinity or holiness to COVID-19 whatsoever, it is perhaps a holy thing to be brought down to a shared experience with a world we sometimes find ourselves too pristine or privileged or busy to attend to. It may be a holy experience to find ourselves face to face with our weakness and mortality, and perhaps with some reflection on the bigger questions of life and meaning. And whether we are reevaluating our lives and priorities because we are having this sort of 1950s experience of playing croquet in the front yard with our kids, or whether we are confronted with unfathomable frustration of being unable to be physically present with someone in their hour of need, suffering, and death, or whether we're just looking at the world that we already cared so much about and seeing that those on the fringes are hurting so much more, affected so much more by this pandemic. Whether those, there's this, there's this opportunity, it's, maybe it's forced, maybe it's welcome, to dive in deep, to look out, and to look in, and to find there the crucified and risen and ascended Christ. You know, in our gospel for today, Jesus talks an awful lot about glory, which isn't a friendly word usually to Lutheran Christians. We <clears throat> so often contrast the theology of glory with the theology of the cross, and we cling to that theology of the cross that sees God in the suffering places of the world. And certainly, as Jesus talks about glory in, in the Gospel of John, in John 17 today, that glory and, and even the throne of Christ itself in the Gospel of John is seen as the cross. That's where God is glorified in Christ Jesus and in, and in his work. That's the throne that Christ sits on as king over all creation. So we can look deeply into the, the hurts of the world and see Christ present. There is in this time, for me at least, 
a comfort in the real and tangible presence of Christ in, in me and in, and in you and in all people. And there is, at least for me, a comfort in knowing that God in Christ is also transcendent beyond the time and space of our present reality and those that are to come. God is a friend and a counselor in some respect, yes, but not only that. God is an enemy and a worthy opponent of any evil. Again, from that tiniest virus to the most terrible empires humans can devise. Where are you at? God knows. And moreover, gives you the love and the grace to meet people where they're at. Where are you at? God knows. And moreover, gives you the power and the hope to overcome. Gives you an ending to a story that is filled with grace and truth and love and strength and hope. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses to all people in this time and in this place, now more than ever. Amen.